All of us enjoy studying and reading about and thinking about different things. If you had uh, different, if I asked you what your favorite things to read about would be, you'd probably tell different things. I, I enjoy reading lots of things, but I enjoy reading these two subjects especially. I love thinking about the Wild West, the American West, the American frontier, and I love reading stories about friendship. And so when those two things can come together, I really like it. Read stories about the Old West and, and buddies, pals, friends. One story stands out. I was listening to uh, some information this week, and, and this jumped out to me. You've heard the story of uh, the shootout at the OK Corral, probably. It's like the most famous gunfight ever. Uh, the Earps against the Clantons and all of this. But the story of the Earp boys and Doc Holliday is really a good friendship story. Now, those guys were wild not trying to pretend like they did everything right. They did a lot of crazy things, a lot of bad things, uh, but they did some good things. But I want to focus on the good thing in particular of the friendship between Wyatt and Virgil and Morgan and Doc Holliday. If you know about these guys, you know, especially about Doc Holliday, you know that he was fearless, ready to fight, deadly shot with his pistols. You also know, if you know about Doc Holliday, that he was sick suffered from tuberculosis and that's part of the reason it's supposed that why he moved out west trying to get to a place where he could breathe better be a better health he also may have been running from the law and debt collectors and things like that but he moved out west is the point and he just drifted he just drifted he went from place to place doc holiday never really had a place where he he could settle down in fact doc was known for saying that he he imagined he was going to die with his boots on and what he meant by that was he figured he'd probably die in a shootout. And so he'd be there in the street, be shooting at people, they'd shoot at him, and there he'd just die with his boots on. He figured he'd die a young man with his boots on. He just drifted around. Now, he was sort of just waiting to die. Sort of just waiting to die. Sort of just going to go from one town, see where luck and, and happenstance would take him, and just kind of just waiting to die. That is, until he met the Earps. Something I heard just this week really struck me. I remember years and years ago seeing a movie where, you know, somebody's saying, Doc, why are you going to put yourself in that position? You may get yourself killed if you go do that. And he said, well, Wyatt Earp's my friend. And that guy said, well, I got lots of friends. And Holiday said, I don't. In other words, he said, being with him, being his friend matters to me. Well, what I heard this week was this. Let me look at it so I say it correctly. Speaking of the friendship of Doc Holiday with Wyatt Earp and his brothers, this person said, Doc, finally found something to live for. Here he'd just been drifting about, waiting to die. He's sick. He knows he's going to die one day. And then he meets the herbs and says he's finally got something to live for, this friendship. This friendship brought out something different in him. It allowed him to, to think, it does matter now if I live tomorrow. It does matter if I go on because I want to be there for these other people. I want to be their friend. They're my friend. And he would give the remaining days that he had to help the Earp brothers against the old cowboys. Now, how much of that is, is true and how much of it is legend, I don't know, but I like the idea of it. I like the idea of saying what matters is being connected to someone. What matters is truly being a friend to someone. What matters is truly being there for someone in a way that God would have me to be. That's something worth living for. Well, the chapter's title that we're to look at in uh, the Pearl's book is this, I choose for my friends those who enjoy doing good. In other words, 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose friends. I'm going to make sure that I surround myself with people who have positive, righteous, godly intentions and goals. I will choose friends who enjoy doing good is the title. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, we know the Bible says, don't be deceived, don't lie to yourself. Evil companions corrupt good morals or evil company corrupts good habits. A major part of the lesson centered around the biblical idea, the biblical advice that what we are to do, and this is a great idea, and so I want to emphasize it to you, what we're to do, what young people, old people, all people are to do is at various times take inventory of our friends. Now, what, what they mean was this, you know, just like a business owner has to know what they have on their shelves, have to know what it is that they the products they've got, what they're trying to sell. Businesses need to take inventory and humans need to take inventory of their friends. Because you need to recognize, are the people I'm around, are they influencing me to go further from Christ? Or are they influencing me to get closer to Christ? They put it this way in the chapter. There's two kinds of friends out there. There's friends that you are helping get to heaven. And then there's friends that are helping you get to heaven. I want to make sure that we understand there's maybe a third category there because we want to make sure that our friends are not leading us away from heaven. Because if it's the case that there's some people we're to be leading to heaven, some people who are helping us get to heaven, there's also going to be people out there who may be leading us away from heaven. And so that's why we need to take inventory of these things. So let's be looking. What we're going to do is we're going to look at several New Testament examples of what godly friends do, and then we'll make a connection to the book of Romans that describes uh, what that looks like and what that sounds like and what that should be like. Because the book of Romans, of course, it never mentions the term friend. It doesn't mention the term friendship. Uh, but it clearly teaches several principles that are godly and righteous in the way that we should be friends for others. Because what we're looking for, what we're trying to get out of this tonight, is thinking through this idea. Not only taking an inventory of the people that I surround myself with. Are these people helping me get to heaven? Am I helping get them to heaven? But is this, am I the kind of person, am I the kind of person that my friend can look at and say, there's someone who's helping me get to heaven? Because that's the kind of friend you ought to be. You ought to be the kind of person that others look at you and they say, that person right there is helping me get to heaven. I'm thankful I have her in my life because she's helping me get to heaven. Boy, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have her in my life because I would be going the wrong direction. I know it. And so you and I need to be the kind of people that are molding ourselves into the image of Jesus the Christ. And that means we're going to be the kind of friends that help other people get to heaven. So let's look at a few examples. First is this. Be turning in your Bibles to John 15, because the first point one emphasizes this. Friendship, godly, righteous friendship, is about action. Godly, righteous friendship is about action. That's the first point we want to make. Read with me in John 15, beginning at verse 13. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. So a couple of things there. John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this, and he would lay down his life for his friends. You know, that sounds like that illustration, sounds like that story of Doc Holliday, doesn't it? I'm willing to lay down my life for this guy because he's my friend. Well, here Jesus says, 
I've laid down my life for you. And what I'm seeking for you to do is to be obedient and trusting in me. You're my friends if you do what I command you, Jesus said. That's one of the ways in which we can know if we're a friend of Jesus. Are we seeking to know him, love him, follow him, and do what he's called us to do? Because friendship is about action. It's about doing things, laying down a life, following the commands of Jesus. Go over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Very similar concept shared here as well. James 2, let's read together starting at 18. James 2, 18. We'll read several verses. James 2, 18. Someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith by the things that I do. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Here he says, this is the, my friend, this is the friend of God. The one who, when I called him and said, Abraham, he said, here I am. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. Here I go. Abraham, stop your hand. Okay, I'm stopping. Where's the land? The friend of God was the one who actively did all of the things the Lord asked him to do. Demonstrated his faith by his life. Friendship is about action demonstrating for the other person that you're there that you're willing to help that you love them go to romans chapter 12 now we connect it to the book of romans romans 12 we'll read several times from romans 12 tonight romans 12 there's two verses i want you to look at romans 12 14 remember we said friendship is about action Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. So here's the idea of inaction. Because it says, if someone is going to come after you, don't retaliate, but instead bless. It's about this action. Then look at verse 17. 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Plan and find and then do what is right. That's what God's people will do. And so if I'm the kind of person that others can, can turn to and look at and think about and they will say, you know, even when I've been less than helpful, even when I've been less than a good friend, they're always ready. They're all, always ready to, to bless instead of curse me. They're always ready to help instead of hurt me. Friendship is about action. It's about being willing to do. Second point, friendship is about putting God first. Let me say that again. True friendship is about putting God first. Because if someone wants to be involved in your life 
and makes grand claims at being your friend and caring about you and loving you and wanting the best for you, but then they plead with you to do things that are unrighteous, that person's not your friend. Galatians chapter 5, look at this with me. You know, the, you know the works of the flesh really well, but let's just look at it and read it together to have it on our minds. Galatians 5, 19. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If there's someone who's encouraging you to participate in these things, or it's someone who by being around them uh, stokes the fire, as it were, and causes you to be engaged in these works, that person's your enemy, not your friend. That person's taking you further from Jesus than getting you closer to Him. In James chapter 4, at verse 4, the Bible says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or hostility with God? Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Don't you know to love the things of the world, to do those things that are listed there in Galatians 5 and things like that, to be wrapped up and engaged and enthralled with those kinds of things makes you God's enemy? So the ones who are encouraging, the ones that are begging you to go along with those things, that person doesn't care about you. That person doesn't love you. Now, it's one thing to be a friend of the world and an enemy of God, but don't misunderstand. That does not mean we are to remove ourselves from the world or seek to stop being influences on the world. In Luke chapter 7 at verse 34, the Bible says the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners. Because as he would say in Mark chapter 9, verse 12, the sick have no need of a physician. It's the people who are sick who need a doctor. And so Jesus came to be the one who showed the path to heaven, showed the way out of the muck and the mire and the darkness. Jesus was the one who went to the people who were sick and dying and confused and hurt and said, this is the way. I am the way. In fact, in Luke 19, 10, the Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So here's the two points we want to make on this, observations we make here. Number one, we cannot fall in love with the world and serve it and be a part of it. We cannot fall in love with the world and serve it and be a part of it. But on the other hand, we also cannot overlook or ignore the ones who so desperately need Jesus. We can't be the ones who would say, well, you're a sinner, I can't associate with you. No, the sinner is the one who needs to know Jesus. But it's the difference between falling in love with what they're doing and participating with them and showing them a different way. Let's look in the book of Romans, Romans 12 again. Because we'll make these two points. We can't be a part of the world and serve it and love it, but we also can't overlook and ignore the ones who need Jesus so desperately. So the first one, Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. 
And then verse 11, Romans 12, 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. And then note this, and serve the Lord. We serve the Lord, not the world. We're not to be, not to have our minds and hearts changed and molded and moved in a way that, that looks like and sounds like and talks like in the world. We're to be different serving the Lord. But the other one is this. Go to Romans 12, 16 this time. Romans 12, 16, he says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Don't think that you're too good. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Associate with those that have been overlooked and outcast and, and stepped on. Associate with the lowly and give them the love and the kindness and the help that they need. He says, associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Be the one who picks people up. Be the one who brings people to Jesus. We can't fall in love with the world and be a part of it, but we can't overlook the ones who are stuck in it. Friendship, true friendship, is about putting God first in the things that you do and helping your friends do the same. Friendship's about putting God first. Third, Friendship is also about taking care of needs. Taking care of the needs that, that might arise and that people have. Go with me to the book of Acts. Go to Acts 24. A couple of different times here we're going to be given insight into the life of, of Paul. Uh, oddly enough, these are times when he is in custody, when he's in chains, when he's been uh, made a prisoner of Christ at various times. But there are going to be people who care about him. When he's taken to different locations and uh, not given the freedom he's used to enjoying, people look for ways to help him. Look at this. Acts 24, verse 23. This is speaking of Felix. says that he gave orders to the centurion that he, that is Paul, should be kept in custody. But even though he's being kept in custody, it says, let him have some liberty that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So the implication is, Paul had friends who were interested in attending to his needs. And so the, the ruler there, Felix, thankfully said, I'm not going to prevent his friends from coming to him. Because they're going to be concerned, checking on him, thinking about what's, what do you need here in this incarceration, even if you have some freedoms, how can we help you? Go over a few pages to Acts 27. Different account, but a similar situation. This time he's um, on a ship, and it says in Acts 27, verse 3, the next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. So even here in this situation, that it was known that others would care about Paul and the friends were going to help take care of him. That's what friends do. You're down, you're hurt, you're searching. They want to help you find what you need. Go back to Romans 12. Romans 12. This is the description of taking care of others. Romans 12, verse 13. He says it very succinctly, very concisely. Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Just be the person that helps when people need help. It's that simple. Be a friend to everyone who needs a friend. Be hospitable. That means open 
uh, to the idea of bringing others in, not just into your house. doesn't mean the only way to be hospitable is opening up your house. Hospitality in this kind of way means being one who's open to sharing and taking care of in any kind of way that the, the need arises. Put simply, be a friend. Because being a friend means you take care of needs. Fourthly and finally, friendship is about taking care of the biggest need of all. Because if we've already put these steps together, if you're sort of walking through this with me, and hope that you are, if we say that a, a friend puts God first, and we say that a friend takes care of needs, well, what do you think the biggest need anyone has? A friend helps people come to know and appreciate and engage in and follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friendship is about taking care of the biggest need of all, and that's knowing Jesus. That's obeying the gospel. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. Love this image in Acts 10. There's so many great things happening in Acts. This one uh, centering around the life of the centurion Cornelius. We know that Peter has had this incredible vision opening his mind to being able to do something like this and go into the home of a Gentile. But it's about what this Roman centurion does. Acts 10, verse, let's start at verse 23. The centurion invites them in to be his guests. That's, I mean, Paul invites, Peter invites, I'm going to say this correctly eventually. Peter invites the guests in to be with him. He invites them in. And the next day they arose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And then Acts 10, 24. On the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. And here's what Cornelius has done. He had called together his relatives and his close friends. This man from God was coming to his house. A man who had been sent by the Lord. How he'd been, he'd been praying and praying and praying. And the message from heaven was, you've been seen. You've been heard. I'm going to send someone to you to tell you the gospel. And so whenever he knows that the visitor is coming, he knows that Peter's on his way. He gathers his family and gathers his friends into his home so that they can all hear the gospel. That's what a friend does. Puts the people that you know and that you care about in a position to hear the gospel and be changed by it forever. Friendship is about taking care of the biggest need of all. Go back with me to Romans, this time to Romans 10. Romans 10, let's read these familiar words. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? You might even throw in one more line there. Where is an audience going to come from if friends don't gather each other together to hear it? You got to have somebody send them. You got to have somebody to say it, but you got to have somebody to hear it. And so he says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed what he's heard from us? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. 
Friendship is about all different kinds of things. But the best friend, he says here, how beautiful are the feet of the one who shares the gospel. How beautiful and wonderful is the friend who connects someone to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the feet of someone who shares the gospel are beautiful, well, that means that the feet of the person who's brought someone to Jesus, that they're beautiful as well. As we take inventory of our friends, let's be sure that we're being the types of good friends who enjoy doing good. But let's be the ones who, who bring people around us closer to Jesus. Because the points we made tonight were this. Friendship is about action. You can't truly be someone's friend if you're never involved with them. Friendship is about putting God first. You're not someone's friend if you take them and push them and drag them further away from Jesus. Friendship is about taking care of needs. And the biggest need of all is knowing the gospel of Jesus the Christ. Friendship is about taking care of that need. Let's be the kind of friends that glorify the Lord. Let's be the kind of friends that others can count on and that Jesus is proud of. If there's any kind of way that we can encourage you or help you, if you've never obeyed the gospel, you need to name Jesus as the Son of God, repent of sins, and be washed in the blood of Christ, we can help with that. Or we can study with you and pray with you and walk with you as we all seek to be better friends, ones that, that glorify the Lord and bring others to Jesus. If we can help you in any kind of way, make your need known while we stand and sing.